This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, last days of Pesach 5782 Tehillim. We're going to be dealing with Hallel. It's right in the middle of What would I say? How can I repay HaKadosh Baruch Everything he's done for me. He's done all these great things for me. And in Yud Gimel, we all know the famous line, I will lift up the, the cup of salvation and I will call out in the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Malvim says, the connection between these psukim, the psukim before this, everything that we said right before Malashiv, which is a hafti, etc., is that after the immense despair came in with the realization almost that the world is meaningless, that what I do really doesn't matter, right? It's all about the next world. It's all about what we do for the next world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu revives us and tells us everything's going to be okay. There's a hope. There's future reward for everyone. And the greatest thing he's given us is the following. He allows us to publicize his greatness. He allows us to praise him, to connect with him in a tremendous way. Those who are dead, right? They can't do it. We, the Hasidim, have the ability to do so. Therefore, we have to take the opportunity to praise the Kaddish Baruch very seriously, do so while we have a chance. That's the idea, says the Malbim, of this parak, this part of the parak of Tehillim. Miyamoli says, obviously, there's no way that we could possibly pay back a Kaddish Baruch for everything he's done for us. We don't have the schuyos necessary to receive what we have received from a Kaddish Baruch To give back for what we've gotten from Hashem, it's impossible. We wouldn't be able to do it. So everything is pure loving kindness on his part, right, on a Kaddish Baruch and anything I do would never be able to pay it back. That's how the Miyam Lois puts it. We don't even know what currency to use to do so. How would I pay God back? What does God need, so to speak, that I can give him that I'd be able to repay him for it? Even our greatest Av, Yaakov Avinu, said himself, If I would decide to pay back HaKadosh Baruch for what I've done, right, would that in any way, would that I gotta say, wouldn't it anyway come from his hand? HaKadosh Baruch is the one that's giving me the ability to pay him back. So it doesn't make any sense. I'm not giving anything. I have no, no, no ability to. And that's what Yaakovina was saying as well. David HaMelech then answers his own question. You're right. I have no ability to pay back HaKadosh Baruch There's no way for me to do it. But instead, I will point out what Hashem has done. On Pesach night, I will lift up a glass of wine and say, Hashem has saved me, taken me out taken me out of Mitzrayim. The point, he says, is to use the great things he's given us to make us holier, to do something great for us, to elevate our souls instead of just pampering ourselves and becoming more and more Gashmi. Thus, I'll take the wine that I'm Zohar to have and use it to pro- proclaim God's greatness to everyone. So a little bit different, but the same basic idea of what the Malbim is saying, that's it. Rechaim Knievsky would often tell people, even though we can never pay back HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what he's done for us, there's always something that we can do. Meaning, if somebody did something, you know, and said to Rechaim, what can I do as a schus? He would tell them, learn a little bit more. Grow a beard, he would tell people. Grow a beard. Do something different, right, from what you were before. And although that's not paying HaKadosh Baruch Hu back, it's adding to your life to allow your life to be more godly. 
And that's a great thing. That's exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. Now the Chassam Sofer gives a muscle to understand all this. He says, there, was a, there were certain officers who wanted to honor the king. But what is the king missing that they would be able to give? There's nothing that they'd be able to give you know, from anybody else out there. Anything that they give would even be considered an insult. How could you do that to the king? How could you say that? What they did was they made a suda for poor people. And they invited the king to come to the poor person meal. They didn't have the greatest foods because the king has all the greatest foods. They had clay vessels, clay, you know, like forks and knives and spoons and stuff like that. Like in our world, it would be plastic forks and knives and spoons, like plastic plates, which a king would never go to. And then they the king to that party, to that suit of the poor people. And they praised him in the way that the poor men used to praise their lords and whatever it was out there. He was amused. The king was amused at such a spectacle, right? He'd never seen anything like it before. So he began to enjoy himself as he had never done before. It's almost like he sat there and said, this is amazing. They obviously can't give me what I want. So they're doing what they know that they can do. And that's great. That's exactly what I want to see. That's in and of itself. That's the greatest praise that Hashem has because he enjoys the fact that we're trying so hard. And it's amusing to him that this is what people do. Isn't that a crazy idea? It's like a, it's the same idea of like visiting like a third world tribe or something. Right. And sitting down and being involved in that third world tribe's ways and whatever it is. Another marshal is brought by the Chassid Lavram. Reuven borrowed $50,000 from Shimon. Right? He borrowed it for six months. At the end of six months, right, Reuven got a cashier's check for $50,000 and he's bringing it over to Shimon. Just as he's about to give Shimon the check, he realized, he's like, oh, right, somebody offered me a business deal for $75,000. So he went to Shimon and he said, look, I know I was about to pay you back the 50000 Can I have the 50000 back? And can you lend me another $25,000 so that I can go do this business deal? So Shimon said, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Take it for another month. So he goes and he takes $75,000. And at the end of the month, he goes and he brings another cashier's check for $75,000. Maybe this time he has cash. He's ready to give the $75,000 back. But as soon as he does that, he realizes, wait, oh, there's something that I need to pay for. And it's $100,000. So he says to Shimon, look, I know I was about to pay you back. Do you mind if I take the $75,000? And can you add another twenty? $25,000 to it. Shem says, go ahead. I'm fine. I, I have enough money. I have no problem with it. And he keeps doing it again and again and again. And he realizes he never can pay it back because every time he realizes he needs a little bit more. Says the Chassel Avram, that's what David Melech was thinking when he said this line. Even when I come to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for everything he's done, I realize I need him again. I need to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for something else, right? How can I ever pay him back for what he's done for me if every time I'm about to pay him back, I'm going to ask for something more? I can't do it. It's impossible for me to do it. That's what he said, yeah. Doesn't that create a complex though in a person? That what? That? Like, since we can never really pay Hashem back, and we're obviously paying him back from his own money, I mean, from his... Uh, Why is that a know, these, I'm saying that we're always in this state of... It's almost like a feeling of guilt or shame. I don't know. I don't feel guilty. I still ask HaKadosh Baruch for everything right now. I don't feel guilty. But I'm saying, but like, you understand... I'm saying we're... When we're talking about the third world tribe, right? Right, but this is just that, a marshal. No, I'm saying that they're unaware that you are, are amused by it. Okay, right. but, but we I, understand that Hashem, that that that, that, Hashem, that there's nothing we can do. Yeah, I understand. Get I get it, but I'm not I'm not insulted by. I, I don't feel guilt or shame by doing so. Do you? When you dive in, no, do you ask I for something? Feel, I, don't, I don't necessarily feel that, but I feel like we're constantly always coming back and borrowing more and borrowing more. I, I still don't see. I don't you see know it. That, you know, in this muscle, no, but you know the guy. But really you're borrowing don't. it from a trillionaire. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. Fifty thousand bucks means nothing to him. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's where it comes into play. Like it was fifty thousand dollars to this guy. That I think is where it comes into play. Like there's nothing there. So then the question is: So why is it called Kos Yeshuos in plural? Why not Kos Yeshua, right? In that way, the Mialmoy suggests that the only way you can thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu for one that, that today, I'm sorry, we can only thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu for one deliverance taking us out of Mitzrayim. But in the future, there's going to be so many Yeshuos. We're going to thank Him again and again and again. We'll no longer have our Yitzhahara helping us make bad decisions. Our minds are going to be clearer. We're going to have the ability to make the right decisions and do the right thing, knowing what Hakadosh Baruch wants from us at all times. We'll have a certain amount of seichel and das that will allow us the mysteries of the Torah to be revealed to us. It's not just a Yeshua that's physical. It's going to be Yeshua that's spiritual. And that's why we say Kos Yeshuos Esau. I will carry that Kos Yeshuos. Up until now, I have a Kos Yeshua that he took us out of Mitzrayim, took us out of slavery, but in the future, I'm going to have a Kos Yeshuos of both the physical and the spiritual gula that we have. Now there's more. The Sefer Piagid says the Rashi Tev is the word Ma'ashiv Lashem. Kol Tang is the Rashi Tev is the word Malach. Because even if something happened because of a Malach, we still have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for it. It's only that. Ma'ashiv is also the Gematri of Mashiach. They're both 358. To hint at this concept as well. It's not Mashiach that's going to take us out. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Mashiach. That's the Malach HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to send us. Chochme Castilia, right, of Castile. Say there's an abbreviation here. Okay, it's a lot. So here we go. It says, Kos is Kafarti Ubikashti Slicha. I did something wrong and I'm asking for forgiveness. Yoshev Shamayim Aneni, the Akabel Tfilasi, so that's the Yeshuos, the, the one that sits in heaven, heavens, right, he will answer me and accept my Tfilah. Okay, then Esau is Afsharakti Uriah, even though I killed Uriah. And then Uveshem Hashem Akra, Uveshem is Vilakakti Bas Shavamen, when I took Bat Shava from him. Nonetheless, Uriah Kodem Ru'uyelai. Uriah was first, but now she's Roy to me. Uriah was Kodem, but she's Ru'uyelai. So that's what he's saying. He's saying, within the words of Kos Joseph, Shem Hashem he's saying, I know I did something wrong with what happened to Uriah Sheva, but I understand that this is part of the plan. Please forgive me for doing it in the wrong way. Now, in another way, the Sefer uh, Safa Acha suggests something a little bit different. He says, Kavod Vahadur Samcheni, honor and glory of Tzaranami. Let Shlomo be king and add on the greatness to our kingdom, right? Al Sharagti Uriah. Not because I killed Uriah. And I took Bathsheba from him. She is my wife. She is Roy to me. And obviously Bathsheba is the mother of Shlomo Amelech. An interesting way, but two different ways of learning this line and how it's all a no-treak and an abbreviation of something that happened in Dabba Melech's life. Now, Rashi says that the puzzle refers to the Nisachim, the wine libations that we bring together with the Korban Toda. Together with the Korban Toda, they brought a wine libation. They poured it on top of the Mizbech. L'chaz is Basseva Toda. When we give you the Korban Toda, this is the Hashem And apparently, Levim only sang Shiro with wine. And therefore, we lift up the cup of wine. Coast shows us up for that reason. The Sudas David says the exact same thing. The Radak and the Ben Ezra, they say that the word coast can also mean a portion, part of, right? That's the idea behind it. He says it makes more sense, right, to say that than to say a literal cup of wine that you lift in the air to say Lechayim, right? I guess that would be more sense to be able to go through it. But Kos Yeshua is that I'm thanking God for the portion of 
this salvation that he already gave me. But obviously, he says afterward, Koshosa does definitely sound like a cup of wine. Okay, and that's that. The Miyamoli says there's a minig based on this Pasuk that we make a bracha on wine, we bench on wine, etc. We lift the cup of wine a little bit off the table. You should keep it a tefach off the table. During the Haggadah, when we take it, whatever it is, you're supposed to lift it one tefach from the ground, one tefach from the table. So you shouldn't be like sitting with your hand on the table itself. You should be lifted up just a little bit. That's Koshua's Esa. And we learn it from this. And Yamalai says that minute comes from right over here. Now, the rest of this year is really going to be based on a very, very strange Gemara. This Gemara is in Pesachim Kuf Yotasim and it's based on Kos Yishuo Sesav Hashem In the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to make this great feast for the Tzadikim. It's a huge feast for the Tzadikim. Afterward, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to offer the cup of wine for benching to Avram Avinu. Avinu is going to refuse it. He's going to say, I can't, I can't bench for everybody because I had Yishmol. So Yitzchak Avinu is going to be offered the cup and he's saying, I can't because I had Esau. He's going to offer the cup to Yaakov. Yaakov is saying, I can't. I married two sisters who in the future, that was going to be usher to Klai Yisrael through the Torah. So we went to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I never went to Eretz Yisrael. I can't bench. I never went to Eretz Yisrael. Yoshua, Yoshua says, I never had sons. I never had any sons. I can't bench. Then they offer it to David Melech, and David Melech says, I am Roy to bench Kos Yeshuos Eso V'Shem Hashem I have the Kos Yeshuos. I am V'Shem Hashem He's going to accept it. Now, before we even go, the Eitz Yosef says, he's in the Ein Yaakov, he says we should take the Medrash literally. Right? In the future, by Tchias Amesim, after Tchias Amesim, there will be a Suda from the flesh of the Livyasan and the Behemos Baharayelef, as well as the fruits of Ganeiden, the Eitzachayim, the Eitzadas, they're all going to be served at this massive Suda. But there are those who say that this is not an Achila Gashmis, rather it's an Onig for the soul to increase our Hasaga, our greatness, in order to stand something spiritual that we're going to be able to get. We'll be able to be Makabal, everything that Hashem wants to give us. Okay, but that's what the Ezeus says. He would take it literally. Now this happens to be a Machlokas. The Rambam says in Hilchas Tshuva, Parachas Halachabes, that Tzadikim will not, not have bodies in Olam Haba. They'll be like Malachim. And therefore the Suda is not a physical meal. It's something spiritual for the soul to be able to gain from. Now the Ravid is upset at the Rambam for saying that. He says he doesn't understand. Then what's the Koshal Bracha? What does that represent? Right? If you're saying it's not a physical meal, rather it's something that's only for the neshama and not for the body itself. There's no kosher bracha, there's no wine. What are they benching on? What does that mean exactly? He says it would have been better if the Rambam didn't say anything at all. That's how the Ravid puts it on the Rambam itself. Now the Kesed Mishnah, the Radvaz, and the Lecha Mishnah all said there's no real machlokas over here. The Rambam's talking about Olam Haba when a person dies. And that's Lushitaso. The Rambam says that Olam Haba is when a person passes away. There's no body, there's only a soul. Then there's Tchias Amesim. The Ravid is talking about Olam Haba after Tchias Amesim, where you have the body again and there's body and soul. So the Ravid is saying, yeah, there's a body, so you have a regular bench, you have a regular meal. The Rambam is saying, no, it's 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 a non-spirit. It's got to be a spiritual meal because there is no body. It's in a different place. That's what they say, and that <clears throat> in the end there is no machlokas between the Rambam and the Ravid. Reb Avram, the son of the Rambam, however, Reb Sadok and others say there definitely is machlokas. The Rambam means even after Tchias Mason, there will never be a physical meal. The whole concept of even the Behemoth Bariel and the Levyasin is never real. It's not a real thing. It's only something out there. If Torah says no matter what, even if you'll like the Ravid, it's still only there for spiritual purposes. It's not a physical meal that you get and you're like, oh, that's so good. It wasn't that. It's for spiritual purposes, even according to the Ravid. But regardless, that's 
that's the idea behind it. So whether it's real or not real, this meal or not, you have a machlokis rishonim that leads to a machlokis akronim. But what does the Gemara mean? Why did David and Melech agree to bench? Why David and Melech over everybody else? So the Ian Yaakov and the Ian Yaakov suggest the easiest reasons. He was always a tovayin. He always looked with a good eye at everything. He was a super, super positive person, right? Never negative. And therefore we say tovayin uyavarach. Somebody who has a good eye, he's the one who should make brachas since he continuously did mishpat utzidaka for his entire nation, gave them money when they couldn't afford the judgments he was giving them. So therefore he did that. Now the Akedis Yitzchak in Beshalach, says toward the end, he says every one of these people that are mentioned over here had something bad happen to them. And that bad thing that happened to them happened all the way to the end of their lives. For example, even though Yishmol did tshuva, right? Avram still had Yishmol at the end of his life. Yitzchak had Esav at the end of his life. Yaakov was still married to two sisters in his lifetime. That never went away. Those sins never went away. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go to Eretz in his lifetime. Yoshua, right, uh, did not have any sons at the end of his life. But David Melech did tshuva. And at the end, there was nothing bad that happened in David Melech's life. He be- was a king at the end. He was a full king at the very, very end. That's the difference over here. He ended on a high note. And when you end on a high note without any of those negatives, that's what it means. He was greater than everyone else because what they, what he had at that time. Now, the Marisa Ayin, Marit's another safer, says, David HaMelech had to bench because if he didn't, people would think it was because he had sinned with Uriah Chiti and Bathsheba. And as the Gemara says in Shabbos, Nunheim Adalaf, Nunheim Abayz, David HaMelech never sinned when it came to that. So because he didn't want people thinking that he had sinned and did something wrong, right, he didn't want anybody else to know so no one else had that limitation so therefore it didn't have to be it wasn't a problem for them to say that they would not bench right but for him he had to say I am benching so that nobody would think something negative yeah that's a good question I don't know there's so many people here that you could have offered it to and for some reason I mean the analogy is that it should have Maybe you'd say by Aaron. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Aaron Akoni wouldn't be there. It's a strange thing altogether. Because the only thing you can say by Aaron is that he had two sons that died. But David Melch also had sons that died in his lifetime. Of Shalom, Amnon, etc. So I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I don't know why Aaron was never chosen. In the Ein Yaakov, in the Ein Yaakov, the Rif, this Rav Yoship and Rav Yosef Pinto, he suggests something different. He says David Melch is the one most worthy of mentioning for everyone else because he's the Shoresh of Adamarisham. Remember, Adam was supposed to live a thousand years and he gave 70 years over to David Melech, right? And therefore, right, everyone alive is supposed to be his children. So therefore, David Melech comes from Adam Rishon. In that vein, he says, I got another answer. He said, it's better for a guest to bench. There's only one guest of this world. It's David Melech because David Melech is not supposed to be in it. He was never supposed to live. And Adam Rishon gave him 70 years. So he's truly a guest in this world. And therefore, he's got to bench the Balabayas. That makes the most sense. He's the only guest. The Shlaka who says he was a guest because he came from Rusa Moavia. He was a Ger who came from another nation. And therefore, he had to go ahead and do it. But in the end, the Rif says that David Melech is the one that was making the Ola Shel Tshuva. If you remember, he did Tshuva, right? That allowed Bnei Yisrael to survive throughout the bitter Golos. Ma'ashivla. Hashem is David Melech saying, how can I possibly thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for allowing me to do tshuva and taking away all my sins because of it? Maybe that's the Shem Hashem Akra. He allows others to do tshuva as well by telling them that he had done wrong and he worked on himself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave him so others should do the same. That's the idea behind it. So therefore you should do it the same. Now Rabbi Yitzchak Sender brings a crazy story for this. He says, I have this story. This is not a story story, but he goes through and he says an idea. Rav Chaim of Sons had two sons. Both were very great tzaddikim, but the Ravodas Hashem were very, very different from one another. His older son was the Gorlitzer Rebbe, right? The Gorlitzer Rebbe was known for his midah of emes. They would say that if there was a mountain of sheker 
and there was a bit of MS on top, like a tiny little bit of MS on top, he would climb up to reach that MS. Rabbi Cheskel, the Shin of a Rebbe, his other son, was the exact opposite. If there was a mountain of MS with a tiny little bit of Sheker on top, he wouldn't climb the mountain. He'd run away from the mountain because of the tiny little bit of Sheker that was on top there. Isn't that interesting? Two very, very different Avodos Hashems. So this seems to explain a machlokas between Beishamai and Beishilo. Beishamai is like the Shin of Rabbah. No matter how much good this world contains, right, there's Sheker everywhere. It would have been better not to have created the world at all. Right? I would better if the world was not really here. Base Hillel was like the Golitz Rebbe. What do you mean? It's here. It's obviously meant for a purpose. Let's use it for the best purpose. Similarly, the attitude of our Avos, as well as Moshe Rabbeinu and Yoshua, seems to have been like Beis Shammai. How can I make the bracha here if I brought something evil into the world? The way they're saying it is, I brought Yishmael, I brought Esav, I did something bad, I did this and whatever it was. Yes, I brought good into the world, obviously, but the darkness that I did was too much for it to be handled. On the other hand, David Amela, who suffered during his lifetime with all the different issues and seemingly made some very questionable decisions, was nevertheless able to see the perspective of Hillel. Yes, bad things happened, but the world is worthwhile. The Torah that I learned is worthwhile. Everything that I'm in the world for is worthwhile. And I think HaKadosh Baruch Hu was masking that the Gemara and Shabbos. He says, I'd rather have you, David Melech, for one day, and what you do on one day, than a thousand olas that Shlomo Melech gives. Even though you went through challenges, but the work that you've done in yourself has made you better than everything else that everybody has. And perhaps that can explain a line from Rabbi Avram, the son of the Groh. He says these words, Ubeshem Hashem Akra, appears somewhere else as well. That's earlier in the parak in Kuftazayim Pasuk Dalit. We learn from here, just like we bless and thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the great things he's done. We're chayiv to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the terrible things that have happened to us as well. No matter what, B'Shem HaShem HaKra. And that makes sense now. Whether you're Beis Shammai and you're seeing the world in a negative light, so to speak, as if I wish the world wouldn't be here because of the bad that we have, or you're looking at it with Beis Hillel's perspective and saying everything should be good, nonetheless, B'Shem HaShem HaKra. That, I think, explains the line from the, from the Rebbe Avram, son of the Gro. In fact, Kos is the Gematra of 86, the same as Elohim, Midas Adin. You always want to turn that din into rachamim. That's b'shem yudke vavke ekro. So it's, even though kos Yeshuos has still, I have a kos, midas adin, where Yeshuos, Yeshuos have happened. B'shem Hashem akro, and I recognize that even that is rachamim. Even that din is truly rachamim. We'll end with the marsha. The marsha in Chidush says, we know in benching, you got to mention four things. There's Eretz, uh, Bris, Toiro, Eretz Yisrael, and Malchus Beis David. Avram and Yitzchak both excused themselves from benching in the future because they knew their children didn't have a bris. So they couldn't say the word bris in their benching. Yishmael and Esav didn't have bris milas. So they couldn't say that part. Yaakov went against the Torah. So he couldn't say Torah in his benching because he went against the Torah, which is the two sisters. Yishmael yeah. had a bris. Yishmael had a bris, not at the age of eight days. You know, the no normal... Yeah, yeah, you're right. He was, he didn't you're right. He didn't have the normal bris that he they had. He had the bris, I'm saying, on time from when he... Correct, knew. correct. But he didn't have that part. He didn't have that part. But he only got it at that point itself. So that's why they didn't have it. Moshe, but he didn't mention Eretz Yisrael because he couldn't. He didn't live in Eretz Yisrael. So he couldn't say that part, right? And Yoshua never had boys. So he could never have a kingship. Even if he was a melech, which is a question. There's a Shiloh whether Yoshua had the status of a king or not. We've talked about that in the past, right? Nonetheless, his kids couldn't be because he doesn't have any sons. Only David Melech, who was Zoha to live in Eretz Yisrael, have a bris mila, and all of his kids were B'nai bris. Learn Torah and 
had sons who succeeded in his kingdom could say all four. He could say Bris, Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and Malchus based of it. And therefore, he was able to bench for everybody else. And now we understand that this fits into the Pasuk. Only someone who could say, Kol Tagmulohi Aloi, all of the great things that Hashem has given to me. I have these four. I have, right, Bris, Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and Malchus based of it. That person can bench for everybody else. The other five, Gidolim, were even greater than David and Malach, obviously, Abraham, Yisrael, Yaakov, Moshe, and, and, uh, and, who else do we have over here? And Yoshua were greater than David and Melch. Nonetheless, they could not say Koltak Melohi Aloi. Only David could say that, and that's why he benches. And that explains the buzzer. Ma'ashiv Hashem. How could I get up and say to Hashem that I'll bench? Because Koltak Melohi Aloi. Therefore, Kos Yeshua says of Hashem Hashem Akral. Isn't that unbelievable? Such an unbelievable idea. All right, we'll stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos.